Right, I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Hey, I'm Andrew. This is the Better Fin Podcast, and thanks for joining me on this episode. In this week's episode, I speak to a good friend of mine, Oleg. Oleg has just concluded a business trip to Canada, and he was there as things were unfolding with the coronavirus. Uh, He is now in a self-imposed quarantine at home, and I decided to just have a chat with him and check in on how things are going. So, welcome to another episode of the Bearded Friend Podcast. Yes, it's Friday again. And uh, if you caught my episode last week, you'll remember that I did a podcast check-in. I didn't have a guest, and this week I was going to have a guest, and fortunately, I am going to have a guest. But uh, it's going to be slightly different to what I normally do. Uh, Things have changed dramatically in the last week in South Africa. Uh, uh, Our president announced on Sunday night that they were pulling the trigger on some really important decisions that they needed to make to contain the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, One of them is closing the schools, uh, recommending, (coughs) excuse me, (laughs) so I cough. (coughs) Don't worry, I don't have the coronavirus. Not that I know of. Um, Yeah, so he pulled the trigger, uh, lots of big changes, lots of uh, implications, um, you know, from a work point of view, from socializing, all the events are getting canceled, um, restaurants are cutting back no I mean people that have got weddings and things like funerals and all that kind of stuff I mean like you it's only when something like this happens that you actually start thinking about okay what is the actual implication uh, so anyway so um, I'm going to pivot a little bit on the podcast uh, obviously uh, having face-to-face conversations which I really enjoy doing for the podcast uh, are going to be very difficult at this point in time, especially if we um, serious about uh, social distancing ourselves from one another. Not that we want to, but it's something that we have to do. And so I'm going to try and set up as many um, sort of like telecon video conference kind of uh, podcast um, discussions. Um, and uh, I've got some ideas about that, but all the conversations that I was having with people about coming on the podcast have dried up a little bit with you know, this disruption that we've had. Um, you know, we often talk about disruption, like digital disruption, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, this virus is a disruption of, of on another level. Anyway, so what I did this week is I um, checked in with a friend of mine, Oleg. Uh, he's just uh, finished a business trip. He went to Canada in the middle of uh, February and he's just come back this last week. And because he came through um, uh, to South Africa through London, he spent he spent uh, eight hours layover in London. Uh, he's has to um, self quarantine when he when he got back. He couldn't go back to the office. He's now self quarantined, and I decided to uh, catch up with him. Uh, you know, we had had one or two chats uh, since he had been back. I think he arrived on Monday morning. And uh, but I said, hey, why don't we sit down and have a have a chat, and you can tell me what the experience was like um, as things unfolded, because he was overseas as things were escalating back here, and obviously 
there in, 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 in Canada as well. So, without wasting any more time, here's this week's episode. Let's go. Let's rock and roll, man. Let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. So, Elig, tell me your story. My story. Um, so, my name is Oleg, and um, I'm a geosciences. That's my story <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> Um, but you obviously want to talk about the actual story in terms of what's going on in the world. So, well, look, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, we, we mates, uh, we hang together, we ride bikes together. Um, we have a lot of common interests. We, we have like a lot of common interests. Yep, that's it. And yeah. uh, what about almost almost five weeks ago, you uh, needed to go overseas uh, on a business trip. Yeah, to Canada. So I went on on a business trip to Canada. Um, uh, for a number of reasons, um, some of which was to attend a conference, a couple of workshops, and uh, I'm basically just spent some time with my colleagues um, across and basically um, trying to uh, learn from them and share some of our experiences in terms of our job-related activities in our region. So it was a really good trip. It was actually an amazing trip. It started really well. Everything went, went awesome. It was really a great experience. I've never been to North America, so that was my first trip. And then obviously the situation globally with the COVID-19 started exploding. And, uh, but what was, know, the, just, what was the... Um, I'm trying to think back to, to when you left. When, when did you actually leave? I can't remember what date it was. It was just after I Valentine's Day. I left on the 14th of February. And I mean, can you um, remember what the what the vibe was at the time? Because, um, you know, now we've got travel restrictions. I mean, at the time, I mean, there wasn't any talk of travel restrictions or anything like that. No, not at all. Not at all. Like, at the time when I left, this was viewed as, as a domestic issue in China. Yeah. And sort of like travel restrictions or talk about the travel restrictions in China. Yeah. And that, I guess, shows how quickly the situation actually escalated. Like, literally, five weeks ago, um, there was very little word about reported cases in Europe. There was little, little news about reported cases um, in North America. And now we're sitting on this situation. Yeah. You just need to look it up at the COVID 19. Um, dashboards, there are a number of dashboards available. Maybe you can provide a link in the podcast in terms of where we are today. Yeah. Um, let's just say today we live in a different world than we did five weeks ago. Today it's not a um, Chinese domestic problem, um, it's the world's problem. And um, yeah. So when you. Um... When you landed in Canada and you started interacting with the people there, um, I mean, was there was there any conversation about what was happening with Corona, or I mean, was it was it um, on the was it on the radar? Were people? Not really. Well, I remember um, watching uh, you know local news from the North America region, and it was basically. Um, basically highlighting the situation in China. Now, yeah. now basically when I was reading the news cycle it's completely shifted to basically domestic impacts, whether it's in Canada or US, um, and what the situation and how the situation is developing there. 
Um, but just say over the last five weeks, over the last five weeks, it went from being a low risk zone to being a hot zone in Europe. And so do many European countries. Yeah. It looks like you froze a bit there. No, I'm still there. I'm still there. <laughs> you did I'm your still statue. There. You did your statue mode there. Yeah, no. Mm. So, so, dude, where's your, where's your, where's your beverage? Where's your wine? Oh, uh, it's yeah, it's yeah. So okay, I'm sticking cool. to tea. Are you sticking to tea? <laughs> yeah, thought, you know. I thought you were, so gonna, just I thought to you were doing red wine. No, no, I'm sticking to tea. You know, just to highlight the situation in terms of where I find myself. Um, so I came back, I came back on the 15th, uh, 15th of March and traveled uh, from uh, Canada to transiting via London, via Heathrow International Airport. And then I left that, uh, I've landed in Oatambo on the 15th in the morning. And, uh, and I mean, just to put yeah. that in perspective, that was the morning after Saul Ramaphosa had his address the nation yeah. discussion yeah. where he was saying yeah. that on Wednesday, they were going to close all the borders. Well, not all the yeah. borders, but they were going to start closing. And I hear, I hear, um, uh, I think it was yesterday as was it yesterday or today that Canada's closed, closed their airports to foreign nationals um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not sure about the situation in Canada, about the situation in Canada at the moment, but, um, what I did here is the state of Ontario um, basically entered uh, a full emergency mode or like a state of emergency mode where they were shutting down certain public services and certain transport routes and certain um, borders for the US and obviously shutting down the air travel um, as well. I'm not sure whether it's Canada, the emergency response to the situation is being handled on a national level coming from the federal governments or whether it's handled like on the provincial level yeah. where the drive is coming from the provincial authorities. Yeah, well, you, you would hope it's both, you know, like it's at a federal level and then filtering down to the provincial level. Yeah, so it's, it's more difficult. It's more difficult to ascertain at the moment and... I can't comment where the drive is coming from, but maybe the drive is coming from both the federal and um, the provincial level. Yeah. But so in Europe, the drive is definitely coming from the central governments. The central yeah. governments are um, federal government of Germany, um, the the government of France, and the government of Italy. And um, yeah. So um, when you when you arrived in Toronto. Um, I think what the first first weekend or the first day or two you were in the hotel, but then yeah. you moved you was, moved into an apartment. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell That's us, tell great. us about the the setup in the hotel and the setup in the apartment because at that time it wasn't a problem, but later it, it did become a bit of a concern. So the the setup in the hotel was very nice. It was a really good um hotel in the downtown toronto was that the um, eaton chelsea 
no, I can't, I can't say. I'm not going to say which, which is our plus. We're going to stick to complete anonymity. I can, I can um, neither confirm or deny. Absolutely. That I was downtown and Toronto. Then, and and then uh, I moved to an apartment, also very nice one bedroom apartment, uh, further down south. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the setup, basically anywhere in the vicinity of Toronto, you're dealing with the very densely populated urban environments where you have high-rise buildings. Um, everyone stays in apartments. Well, most people stay in, a, in apartments, and a lot of people use public transport to yeah. commute to work and um, commute around the city. Yeah. So and talking about nice, yeah, it's so, a very nice public transport system. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So you were saying that when you moved to the apartment, are <coughs> you saying that the apartment was further south than the hotel? Yeah, absolutely. So to get the absolutely. so get to the office, you have to go all the way up the line. Yeah. Get at the. I traveled and then go. I traveled on the subway for about uh, 15, 20 minutes, and then yeah. traveled on the bus for another ten minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was very and then, quick and easy commute. And then you would have had to have been on what? <clears throat> excuse me. One subway. Oh, two... I'm getting worried here. <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. <laughs> uh, into <clears throat> into my elbow. Um. So your, trans, your transit would be um, the subway and then two buses eh? to the office. No, just one bus. Just, just one, one bus. bus. Oh, yeah, so you went further. So yeah. you went further up yeah. and then you had to walk a bit to get to the office. Yeah, literally about five hundred meters, maybe yeah. less. Okay, fair enough. Hmm. And like what's the what's the for people that haven't been on public transport in Toronto, what's the uh, what's is it busy? What time of the day are you cruising along the transit line there? So generally, generally anywhere time, anywhere between seven thirty and eight thirty in the morning, and that's peak hour. Uh, a lot of students are trying to get to the colleges, and a lot of people trying to get to work. I wouldn't say it's as busy as um, in Europe because when you look at the cities like Paris and Berlin, Germany, or London and UK, um, their subway system really transports a lot of people. And during peak hour traffic, it's literally you're standing back to back. Um, yeah. You don't even need to hold a rail. That's how densely packed you are. It's not like that in Toronto. Uh, my impression was it was um, the public transport system in Toronto is not as as packed as yes. in most European cities. But it's still a, it's still a pretty good public transport system that transports a lot of people around the city yeah um and the periphery all the all, all the surrounding suburbs yeah and um what was the what was the um the conversation like in the office when you first arrived there any any conversation around corona or was it where, where, um, were they still were they still also just learning and seeing it watching it from a distance Absolutely, you know, you know, it's it's a pretty surreal experience in terms of um, watching the situation unfold. Um, at first, you know, you think, oh, no, maybe, maybe it's some sort of flu. Um, that basically, you know, has a negative impact um, in China. And it's not going to get to us. Then the realization comes in that it might get to us, and we might be affected. And then literally a week later, or it's here, and we have to deal with the situation. 
Yeah. And then um, it's, uh, at what stage did you go to the conference? Uh, that was pretty much the second week. Um, it was second second week of my um, your stay there. My stay my stay there. And uh, <coughs> at the conference, the mood was very jovial. Um, there's a few companies that did not um, did Ex- not uh, exhibit. send uh, exhibitors um, that generally would exhibit. Um, due to the fact that at that stage, literally a week down the line, the situation was escalating and there was indications that the um, device might potentially already be in North America. Yeah. So in the interest of safety, there's a few few exhibitors that are basically not sharp. Yeah. So um out of safety concerns. Sure, sure. But I mean, they were coming from where? From Europe or China or? Um, different companies from from different geographies. Yeah. Somewhere from Europe, somewhere from uh, yeah, somewhere from South Africa. But know? those, but those were the uh, exhibitors, right? Exhibitors and participants. Oh, and participants. Because uh, yeah, I was uh, going to uh, ask oh, that. And participants, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, at the time, I, I think when you went to the conference, I checked the number of uh, confirmed cases at the time, and at that time there were eleven. Yeah, yeah. I might, I might, I might have got the timing wrong. It might be in yeah, a day, or, a day right. or two after you had been to the conference, and I've just looked now. It's five hundred and ninety-eight uh, confirmed cases in Canada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, you need to take into account. You need to take, take into account that not everyone gets tested, and by the time no, you, absolu- you, you absolutely you, you get you get your first symptoms, <laughs> um, you might be already walking around with with a virus. Yeah, and, with what you think is a mild cold, actually. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so no, but, what, but I mean, apparently, apparently the symptoms are pretty unique in terms of like. Um, you initially start experiencing headache, and please don't call me on that. I'm not a medical specialist. Yeah. But from what I've seen uh, published in different beautiful media and scientific literature, um, basically starts off with a severe headache and then uh, progresses down to a fever. And that's most likely the point at which most people um, would see professional medical help. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. And I mean, the thing is that, um, like you said, you know, when when one's looking at the numbers, these initial numbers, um, you can imagine that their approach is um, only to test the people that were high risk. So there would be a person that's exhibiting the symptoms, has traveled yeah. to what is classified as a hotspot, um, yeah. that might have come in contact with a person that has been confirmed to have the virus. Yeah. I mean, those are generally the the the, the only people that they're testing in the uh, you know in the beginning. So, mm-hmm. like you say, I mean, the 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 local community transmission uh, at that point is 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 pretty unknown, and I think even now at this stage it's pretty unknown. Uh, yeah, exactly what the extent. But um, I mean, that's not to alarm people, but I mean, it's just the reality of how it works because I mean, in the beginning they don't have enough uh, test kits or enough testing facilities because 
I, I would imagine if you if you suspect you've got uh, um, got uh, the coronavirus, you you're not just going to cruise into your local doctor and say, "Hey, no, listen, no, I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I think so I'm sick." Different countries have developed very specific procedures in terms of the way that we handle this case. Um, And the procedures were different in each case. In some cases, national um, hotlines to report it. In some cases, you would basically initiate a containment protocol by GP, depending on the severity of the symptoms, as well as um, whether or not you have any underlying health condition and fall into the high-risk category. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But every every country handles it differently. Yeah, sure. I think that's one of the problems. Um, like we don't have a unified approach to um, containing the spread of this virus. Yeah. I, mean, I, I remember when the outbreak was starting in China and when the Chinese government initiated um, what was called the draconian containment measures. Where, where is this in, in China? That was in, in Wuhan, yeah. Isolating... Um, the cities of, you know, over 10 million people, 10 million inhabitants. Sometimes Jeez, dude. isolating dude. entire provinces, you know. Well, um, I heard a most... number today. I heard a number today yeah. on what that actual containment was. Seven. What was it? Just for the interest. 700 million people. It's amazing. Uh, look, I have to take my head off to, to the Chinese government because... I mean, the situation called for it, and they did it. I mean, it's a mission impossible. How do you contain 700 million people? Well, I mean, that's larger than, I think, the entire EU population. Well, I mean, that's the, and I think that's the thing, is that, I mean, you can imagine, I'm guessing, in China, that they would have enforced it pretty, you know, in, in I think in they the realized what they went against pretty quickly, and they basically went into survival mode and did whatever was necessary to contain the spread of this virus. And I think this is the situation where um, a lot of the European countries find themselves in today um, because the public infrastructure is being stressed um, in countries like Italy, France, they're starting to run out of hospital beds, they're starting to run out of um, medical resources to, to deal with this. And they understand that if you don't stop it, um, this will have a severe impact and very high rates yeah. in your high-risk population. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So did you, um, when you were going to the conference, I mean, was there anything in your back of your mind saying, mm, I'm not so comfortable um, about this? Or was it at that, was it still at the point there where it wasn't something that was on your radar as something to be concerned about? I think I think the first, and I think that's where you know Twitter is is both great and bad because you can spread a lot of um, a lot of you know false information on Twitter. But like you know, through Twitter, you just you get to you get a sense of the general picture of what's going on, and um, very very instant um, immediate information. Although I think information coming out of China was largely suppressed. It was mainly posted by people who actually been there and managed to travel out, um, out of out of mainland. Um, 
yeah, the, it, it looked pretty scary. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, if this ever gets out um, into Europe, into North America, into Africa, big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's arrived on our shores, and it's uh, I, I don't know. I think I think I think we're fortunate in a way that we've had a bit of a lead time in terms yeah. of uh, seeing what's happened in the rest of the world, and then also mm. knowing what sort of measures need to be put into place. And I think we've yeah. had a little bit more time on our hands, but now it's time to see what they're going to do. I mean, we see that our president has. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. I'm re- I'm getting I'm getting really worried about you. Oh, dude, I'm 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 worried about myself as well, dude. Um, I don't know if it's you know it's like that thing where where some guy, you know, like when someone else is like um, experiencing something, and then yeah. like all of a sudden you start experiencing, it, but you can't decide yeah. whether you've actually just imagining it or if it's actually something that's yeah. happening. Because, um, yeah, because, so, I mean, you never know when you've come does, into contact. Doesn't that happen, happen with yawning? So, like, when one person yawns, the other person just feels... Yeah, 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 something like that. ...to yawn. I'm, I'm not sure where it should come from, but I'm sure there's, like, some sort of a psychological explanation. No, absolutely, um, absolutely. But can I ask you something? Like, how, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about watching the situation unfold or not watching the situation unfold and just coming to a realization that, you know, it's here? Well, so my, my, my approach to it has been, and this is a conversation I've been having with my, my, my daughters, is that, because um, like you say, there's a lot of information coming out there. There's a lot of stuff um, on Twitter, on social media, and you've got to decide what, you know, you have to have the ability to work out what is, what is something to be concerned mm-hmm. about, what, you know, what is true, what is false. Um, so my my conversation that I've had with my girls is okay. Let's be aware of what is potentially coming because it was only it was in, in, inevitable that it was going to land on our shores at some stage. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll 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 be honest. I'll be honest. I thought that um, I thought at some stage that thought did cross my mind that this was going to be contained. Um, in China, I, I was thinking because what do you think that it was going to get? It wasn't going to get in out. In a lot of, of cases, yeah, I, I thought that it wasn't going to get out of China. At some stage, I really thought there's a possibility that this virus could be contained. Um, just yeah, like I think with SARS, just like the SARS, right? SARS yeah. was a big problem, and they had a high mortality rate. I believe, right? I believe. Huh. I don't know for sure. <laughs> amongst you know people who were infected. But SARS, to a large extent, was contained to to mainland China and maybe a few surrounding countries. Yeah, but there was a reason um, for thing, that. The same, the same thing with MERS, right? That yeah. started in the Middle East. To a large extent, it was contained yeah. um, in the Middle East. So I was hoping, right, that this we were looking at a similar situation. But yeah. but I mean, that's the difference. Five weeks down the line. Yeah, but that's the difference between the different viruses because at first um, I wasn't really concerned about it for the same reasons that you weren't concerned about it. Um, but I didn't know enough about what was going on. And when the numbers started coming out and all of a sudden there was this, and I'm putting it in inverted commas, panic, 
um, I was like, okay, but what's what's going on here? Why why are they so worried about it? Because the numbers, the mortality rate is two percent, or you know, whichever stats you're looking at. And um, but the difference between this virus and the other viruses is is that like with SARS, even though the mortality rate was higher, the um, the ability to transmit was very very. Uh, uh, it was hard for it to um, to 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 transmit. It wasn't that contagious, and that's why and that's why it was contained to um, such a small number. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. I feel like the Iranian um, president or uh, <laughs> minister of health at the moment. Um, so the difference there is that SARS um, was um, higher mortality rates, but not as contagious. And what they said is mm -hmm. that the people generally passed away before they could transmit it to someone else. Um, and it's Yeah, and then, and then with, uh, I think it's with MERS or if it was which, uh, with the other one, uh, with another um, corona-related virus, is that it was very contagious, but it had a very low mortality rate and very mild symptoms. So a lot of people that got it didn't even know that they had it. The difference with this mm. one is is that it uh, transmits quite easily. And even though the mortality rate is relatively low, the fact that it can replicate itself so quickly, well, replicate itself, the fact that it can transmit and uh, spread so easily is what has concerned them. So um, I think it was on the 11th of January that China uh, reported its first fatality related to um, yeah. this virus on the 30th of January on the 30th of January the World Health Organization declared it a global disaster or a global what do they call it global global threat or something like that I remember, I remember they've only um, done that just, just they've only done that four times in the last 80 years so wow. I mean at that time I didn't even know why why there was so much um, hype about it, and now mm -hmm. I understand why. And the and and the reason is, it's not about the mortality rates. At the moment, it's about containment because the fact yeah. that it can spread so easily, the numbers can increase so quickly, that the hospitals, the medical facilities, wouldn't be able to cope, <clears throat> and that's when the mortality rate will go up. Yeah, so that, that's the situation where Italy finds itself in. Um, they've been running out of hospital beds and running out of um, ventilators, equipment and the thing. Yeah, ventilators yeah. to actually keep people on, uh, on support. Yeah. Assisted support, um, while trying to give them a chance to, 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 to do this. And yeah. obviously, you know, there's a large percentage of population everywhere in the world that would have, that would be, you know, over the age of 60 and have underlying health problems, whether it's, you know, something very common, something very easily manageable as diabetes, you know, yeah. or TB. Um, you know, once you get this virus, it becomes, it becomes life or death situation. Yeah, but, but you see the, you know, the problem with statistics is it really depends yeah. how you're looking at the statistics.
because <clears throat> like when you're looking at at the statistics around the world, they're saying that oh, mm-hmm. okay, the mortality rate is two percent or whatever it might be. But if mm-hmm. you start drilling down region by region, and also when they talk about what ages are susceptible to getting the virus or whatever. Um, If you look in different demographic areas, those numbers change dramatically. So you you can't like look, well, this is what I'm thinking. I mean, you can't look at the global stats and say, ah, it's not that bad because it's only 2% mortality rate and it's only increasing a a certain amount per day or whatever. It's like when you go look at, at, at the s- statistics for particular areas yeah. that you see something different. I mean, in some places, the, mo- the mortality rate is 50%. Okay, they've got low I numbers. Think- they've got low numbers of people that have been infected, but they've had higher mortality rates percentage-wise. Um, like in terms of, of um, the ages of people that, um, that, that contract the virus, I mean, in some areas, I see it's um, seventy percent of the people that have been infected are between the ages of twenty and twenty-nine. So it's yep. not to scare anyone, but I'm just saying that one needs to be careful about when one's looking at the stats, and um, uh, because I mean that's what I was looking at in the beginning and saying, ah, oh, you know, we've had SARS, we survived that, we've had this, you know, but it's only when you go and actually investigate why. The people that know what they're doing are so concerned that you actually understand it's not really yeah. about the numbers per se. It's about the fact that the, I mean, and the thing is, because they've never seen this virus before, they actually don't know exactly everything about the mm-hmm. virus. They can predict based on previous viruses. They can interview the people um, that have had it and survived. Sorry, I'm just going to... I'm just going to message uh, message someone because I think my connection is um, jumping around. Yeah. Thanks. And on that on that note, I'm just going to go grab myself a whiskey refill. I'm also going to get myself a refill of tea. Uh, I'll be back now. Okay, I'm back. Okay. So am I. So um, can I just make a point? Yeah. Um, Let's just make a point. Yeah. Look, you know, I think statistics is really good. And statistics gives us the indication of where we're going. But on a personal level, maybe call me an idealist, right? Yeah. But I think even one fatality is unacceptable. I think we should do everything in our power to save as many people as we can possibly can. Yeah. Because yeah. we're not talking about percents, you know, we're talking about actual people. Somebody's yeah, sure. parents, somebody's grandparents somebody's uncles, you know, um, we're talking about actual people, this will have a devastating effect on their families, on those ones. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I mean, talking about that, um, you know, like, so, I mean, you were asking me how, how, how I'm feeling and how I'm, uh, you know, um, looking at this whole thing unfolding. Is I mean, as, as, as recently as last week, I was having a conversation with my my parents down in Cape Town, and my dad's like seriously worried about um, about this. Okay, and I'm saying, Dad, what are you worrying about? You know, it's still there. It's far away. It's only six. It's only five people or nine people that have been 
reported and they come from overseas and you know if they contain it it'll be you know i'm like you know there's nothing really to be worried about yet if you know if you know what i mean but my dad's like 75 75 he's got diabetes hypertension so i mean he's high risk right so i'm saying but dad you know you and mom you know you got your own life there you you know you you got your house you know, you take your dog for a walk. You're not really interacting with lots of people and, you know, and so you don't socialize a lot. And so, you know, and you, you can batten down the hatches a bit and, you know, you should be fine. And then my dad said, yeah, but don't forget your mom works in the hospice shop down the road. And there are lots of foreigners. There are lots of um, local people and all that kind of stuff that are coming in and out and touching stuff and all that kind of yeah. stuff. and. My dad said, "You know what? You know, there's a uh, there's a high risk that someone could come into that shop, that could be carrying the virus, and 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 you know pass it on. And then one minute my mom's got it, and she might be a little bit stronger, um, you know, from the immune system point of view than my dad, and she might just get a bit of a cold, and whatever. And the next minute my dad's got 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 serious issues. Yeah. So you know, going to the family aspect of what you were talking about." You know, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, um, it's, I mean, it is a concern. And, you know, the thing is yeah. that, like we say, oh, you know, okay, it's there in KwaZulu-Natal. And, dude, I could tell you a story that, um, you know, we talk about the six degrees of separation. But yeah. at this point, other than, you know, yourself, which we'll get to just now about having to self-quarantine yourself, but um, that's, Two two degrees of separation. Someone I know is um, quarantined, as well, right? And that person's interacting with other people because they didn't know at the time that they needed to be quarantined. They don't have the virus; they haven't been tested, but they've self-quarantined based on their potential exposure, and they have mm. been exposed to people that I interact with. So it's it's you know it's 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 like almost like. Um, uh, irresponsible to say, ah, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Ah, oh, you know, it's happening there in KwaZulu Natal, and it's, you know, it's not that close. Jeez, dude, before you even know it. And, and I mean, like we were talking about, you only really know about the people that have been tested. You don't know about the people that yeah. have got a strong immune system. They just think that they've got the normal seasonal cold and. Yeah. You know, it passes in a couple of days, a week, maybe maximum two weeks. They don't even, they don't even think about it because they got it last year, similar thing last year. This year they get the same thing again. But meanwhile, they're walking around. They're in the shops. They're going to work. They're going on the car train or whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, it's not to scare people, but you know, the sensible thing is this. You know, the whole social uh, distancing yourself, like. Last mm. week, Wednesday, and I mean, this is even before I um, like pulled the trigger on on my views on this because last week I was like, eh, you know, don't really worry about it. Let's be let's be sensible, but let's not panic. After mm. Sunday night's yeah. address, that hit home. I mean, when you tell me that you are closing the schools, right, and you're going to be closing the ports and you're going to be 
cancelling everyone's visas, holiday visas to this country. I mean, that's a serious thing. It's like, what do they know that I don't know? It's extremely know? serious thing. Yeah. It's extremely serious. But, but on that, so like Wednesday last week, I decided, you know what? I'm now, based on what I know, even though I'm not that concerned yet, um, I'm going to uh, socially distance myself. So I was supposed to go out on, sun on Saturday night to an establishment to go watch and listen to some music. I was going to take my kids with me. And I thought, nah, I don't think it's a good idea. I think, I think you're making you know, a right decision um, both for yourself and for the, sake, for the sake of other people. Like, in the end of the day, um, we and me and not as me and you, we globally need to stop the spread of this, this virus. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to face some grave consequences. Yeah. So I was, I was, and I'm not really, and I'm not, I'm not really worried about economics. You can always take a hit, you know. The main thing is limit, limit the human impacts on, you know, the elderly and the vulnerable populations, because especially during this time, you know, a lot of a lot of people they find themselves in a in a difficult position of facing the reality, feel isolated, feel neglected, I guess, um, feel abandoned. Um, I mean, can you imagine, I'm not sure how correct this, and I stand corrected, but um, I saw an article about the United Kingdom strategy of, um, I think they call it the herd immunity, in terms of the strategy involves letting the virus pass through its population and let the, let the population, and I'm talking about just number of people, build up immunity by, you know, getting the virus and then building up the immunity to it. Yeah. It's sort of like an immunization strategy, but it's not the virus to do it with. I mean, I, mean, I guess you can do it with like certain strains of vaccine flu and stuff like that. This thing, this thing is a killer. Yeah. I mean, so China showed it's a killer. Italy is showing right now that it's a killer. Yeah. But I mean, there's, a, there's something interesting about that is that mm. – you know, like earlier I said that they don't really, they've never seen this virus before. So they don't know really how how bad or how not bad it is. They're basically assessing it as it goes along, using what they know about other viruses, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, obviously I'm not a doctor in by no means, but um, from what I can understand is that these, like the the... Um, World Health Organization, these other organizations are looking to China and the research that they've done post the infections that they've had and the deaths and the recoveries, they're trying to establish what, what the, um, you know, what, you know, how's this virus working? How long does it last? Can you get reinfected, et cetera, et cetera. I read something very interesting today. Um, yeah. Because up until now that they've um, they've they've made a comment that uh, you can't transmit the virus unless you are exhibiting symptoms, right? So that's yeah. very difficult to assess. First of all, because you don't really know. I mean, you might have a slight fever, you might have, you know, whatever. You might have one of the symptoms, but they might be mild. You don't really notice it per se you might think it's hay fever you might think it's 
you just got a headache from, you know, you had a couple of beers too many last night or whatever the thing is. You don't, like yeah. you don't, you don't, you're not a hypochondriac. You're not, you're not shitting yourself the moment that you get the, the, the slightest tweak of something. Um, theoretically, you're contagious at that point, right? But yeah. I read something today that they've now established that in some of the cases, the people were contagious 24 hours before they started exhibiting symptoms. Yeah. Okay. That changes the dynamics because up until now, and listen, I speak under correction. It's a small study because remember, they've got small numbers of people that they're working with. So you're like, well, you don't take think it, about as it this way. 100% as think fact, about but you about do, it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Just, sorry to interrupt you, but think about it this way. Um, they actually have a lot of, like, China has most likely the most um, data about what this thing is capable of. I think, and I'm, I'm not sure what the exact numbers that were sitting on close to 80,000 confirmed cases. So what? they have at least 80,000 sample points on, on this virus and basically what it does across different population groups. Um, and obviously, thousands there in terms of vitalities. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And um, obviously, the data, the data and the information that's come, coming out of Italy um, is also pretty, you know, overwhelming in terms of the number of people infected, what symptoms they're exhibiting, um, building up a common general knowledge of how transmission occurs. Yes. But remember, the situation is happening very quickly. I mean, it's not like the situation has been unfolding over the last year. This situation has been unfolding over the last month. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, in terms of in terms of vaccines um, for this virus, you know, I'm, I'm also not, um, not a medical professional or a science, scientist in the medical field, but like, I would think it would take a year or two to actually uh, produce a vaccine, test it on a large enough uh, population group to know what the side effects are. Because I mean, before you roll out the vaccine, you don't want the vaccine to do more damage than the actual virus. Um, because you're going to be rolling out to everyone. Yeah. So you need to be extremely careful. I mean, like, you know, severe side effects that cause fatality or severe illnesses. I mean, you're going to be immunizing the entire population, global yeah. population. Yeah. You need to be extremely careful in terms of what you're going to roll out. Yeah. So, like, I mean, talking about the immunity thing, is that they haven't been able to establish yet for how long you are immune to the virus. They suspect that, that based on other viruses of the same type, that your immu yeah. immunity um, might only be six months, less than a year. So, and then they also said that there's no guarantee that they'll find a vaccine that 100% works because it's because from, <clears throat> from what I understand is that this thing can mutate. <clears throat> and, um, <coughs> I'm Dude, I'm seriously worried now. Like, really? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I should be self-quarantined, but not you. Eh? Like, do do you do do you have a headache? Like, seriously? Dude, I uh, I can neither confirm or deny that I've had a headache for the last week. 
Okay. But like, please take care of yourself. No, no, I am, dude. I am. Listen to you. Please, please take care of yourself. Like, be reasonable. And like, if, if but, things line up, right? And, and, you know, you have a cough, you have a headache, you have a number of other symptoms, you know, to do yeah, no. the right thing, you know, get yourself no, tested. I, no, definitely. Of how much it costs. Yeah. Don't worry, dude. I'll definitely will. No, I'm no. Look, I've always got this. Uh, you know, if I eat, if I drink coffee or something with milk in it or whatever, then I get this like sort of like mm. probably shouldn't be drinking milk. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, that's what gives me that like sort of like almost like phlegm in the in the in the throat. Or so I wouldn't be too concerned about it. But I mean that. But I mean that's the thing. It's like you. Okay, so I had a I had a headache on the weekend and it lasted for. Saturday, okay, and it, I took two panadas. It went away. Mm. Is that something to be worried about? I don't know. Have I because you start asking yourself the questions? Have I been in contact with someone that's been overseas that has come from a hotspot? Um, from what I know, no. Maybe yes. actually, maybe actually most likely yes. Most no, well, yes. yeah, you've like, got to assume. Be that honest yes. with yourself. No, but also, yeah, no, 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 I agree, I agree, but, 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 but also, like, you also, you, you also understand that in the beginning they said, please don't get, when you come to get tested, these are the three tick boxes that you need to uh, tick before we're going to test you for corona. One is, have you been in contact with anyone that's been in a high risk area? Right. I can't say yes because I don't I don't I don't think so. Not that I know of. So already they already you're saying, well, unless I've got some severe symptoms, uh persistent symptoms that don't seem to be going away, that fit the profile, okay, then maybe I'll go and I can say, well, look, I can tick two of the boxes, but the third box I'm not hundred percent sure about. Then they might say to you, Okay, we'll test you. But in the no. beginning, in the beginning, mm-hmm. they're appealing to people, please don't come get tested unless you can answer these yeah. three questions positively. So the whole point is that they, they try not to overwhelm the testing system. Mm. So they're trying to get reliable data out. Because, I totally understand that. I mean, I mean, this is a this is an intense situation. People will uh, freak out and lose it. And yeah. you know, whenever somebody gets like a mild sneeze, they're like, They'll go and get tested, and then this will waste precious resources and time. Absolutely. Um, but in the same go, right, is that like if it does tick, tick all the checkboxes in terms of you think you might be in contact with somebody who traveled, it doesn't matter where. Yeah. Right? It doesn't yeah. matter because the person who traveled to a low risk zone and I'm going to use, let's say, what is the lowest risk country at the moment? Well, and I, I and I suppose one also has to consider that when you come in say, from... Let's just say Botswana. Let's just say Botswana, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't know whether that person who traveled through the airport came in contact with people that were coming from China. Exactly. Italy, exactly. Or, or exactly. But I mean, even on a domestic flight, even on a domestic flight in South yeah. Africa... I mean, a lot of people would be catching connecting flights. Let's say you're flying from Cape Town to Joburg. 
Absolutely. But there are other people that are on that flight that are Cape Town to Joburg or flying out. You might be flying from Joburg to Cape Town. They're flying in. They're catching a, a connecting flight from Joburg to Cape Town. There's no, there's, 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 you can't guarantee that you haven't come across someone unless you've locked yourself up in your house. Absolutely. No, that's impossible. Like, especially like if you fly in economy and if you fly in business class on domestic routes, yeah. you basically share the same cabin space um, sure. with a lot of people. Um, and uh, I guess I'm going to open up the next topic and I'm going to talk about paranoia. Paranoia? And yeah. What's the, that? The whole. Isn't the that whole a, isn't that a good song well, by Penny. Black Sabbath? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> that's it. But like I'm talking about the social construct of when the disaster hits, mm. um, people go off the rails, penny buying, you know. Uh, oh, you mean like buying toilet stigmatizing, paper? Stigmatizing. Yeah, stigmatizing certain groups of population, etc., etc. You know. Um, I think what we need more in our lives are facts from scientific community. We need less. Um, it's very really simple to, to make connections, you know, in terms of like to make connections in your mind that, you know, this virus comes from China. If I avoid Chinese people, for example, say, you know, I'll be fine. That's complete rubbish. You know, this is a global thing. Everybody's affected. Um, everybody's in the same boat. We're all in this together to a certain extent. You know, we need to we need to pull pull up bootstraps and do whatever required to to mitigate the situation to yeah. prevent further further damage. Well, I mean, um, this is this. So, is can my... I give you an example? Can I yeah. give you a quick example? Yeah, give me an example. So, I was standing in the queue at the passport control um, uh, at Autumn International, and is this coming uh, back now? See, coming back, coming back. Yeah. This is when the situation was getting tense and everybody knew that South Africa is going to close the borders in basically next day. And um, I could, you can see that people are starting to lose it. I mean, there was a, there was a, this gentleman in front of me, like a few people away, who was standing in the queue. But the queue wasn't that long. It like literally took me maybe about 10 minutes to get mm. from when I was standing in line, pretty comfortably, not with everyone back to back. So when I got to present my identification document in front of the immigration officer, right? Yeah. So it wasn't a big deal. You just, yeah, I was standing in the queue. There were five international flights at London, you know? Um, the gentleman was basically a few people away from me. The queue started picking out. It's like, I can't be here, you know? like. I need to get to the front. I started trying to get to the front, pushing people through, you know, until, you know, the, the one of the immigration officers pulled him out and took him to to um, Department of Health. Um, people that were staying on the side, they were busy talking to him. These guys were in full gear, you know, full, full viral protection gear. And they basically <laughs> ended up taking the guy away. It's not, it's not to say that, you know, he should be taken away, but like, um, you need to you need to make sure that you know you keep it together. Mm. And then basically after that incident, I had a chain reaction because the guy, a few people behind me, like maybe ten people behind me, also started freaking out. It's like I need to get out of here. You know, like uh, I don't feel safe here. And uh, 
you know, there's people around me that are coughing, you know. Yeah. So this is the type of situation we need to avoid. And it basically starts as a chain reaction. Um, yeah. No, well, that's very interesting. But I mean, like now, after after the conf- after the conference that you were at in Toronto, I mean, I mean, what happened after that? I mean, was it like uh, business as usual, or did they did there come a point where someone realized, okay, uh, you've just been at a conference with twenty thousand people, um, mm, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. There's potential that there was someone at the conference that might have contracted the virus. What is the what is the Look, I'm I'm gonna go go to the beginning of this, right? So for me, I was very different from general attendees. And the general people who attend this conference will try to get as much information, we try to get as much networking with um as many people as they can get. So many students went to, for example, say, or a graduate that working for the company went to the graduate, the graduate lunch, right? There were a lot of people there, you know? For me, I had a very dedicated mission. I wanted to come to a certain session, which was only one quarter full, right? So I was literally sitting away five meters from like the closest participant. It yeah. was empty. Right. Yeah. It was a technical session. So this is the reason why it was empty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh in terms of uh in terms of discussing anything with uh the exhibitors, I had a very dedicated plan because I know I have a day, I know I need to address the issues that I want to address. So basically spoke to two exhibitors, um, maybe three talks, and I was out of the exhibition hall. So for me, it was like a very focused, very um, dedicated session to get the issues sorted, get it done, and basically try to take a lot of things, try to take a lot of things. So half of the day was basically spent on uh, getting the issues that I wanted to get resolved for the two exhibitors. And the second half of the day was basically half empty, three quarters empty technical session. Okay. Um, and that was it, you know, and then, then I left. Um, but, but, I mean, 24,000 people injured. Like, <laughs> you don't know who you saw and you don't know who you didn't. I mean, the guy behind me in the escalator could have been coughing, coughing on me. I'm holding that. I'm just that stuff. Mm. I think I think that. But I mean, were you were you aware when I was flying? I wasn't. I wasn't like at the conference. You went. You went really. It wasn't like in the back of your mind, really. It was. It wasn't the back of my mind at that stage, and I was just trying to get things done and trying to um, uh, move on with what I needed to accomplish while I was there. Yeah. Um. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. When I was flying back, this whole situation has changed. So <laughs> sitting in the in the business lounge, you never anyone coughed. Everyone, I mean everyone, turned around and looked at them. Like, <laughs> they turned around and check where the cough is coming from, whether it was coming from behind or coming from wherever. Um, and that lounge was full. That lounge was. And packed. how many how many people it, were coughing? It was more packed. 
a lot, a lot, <laughs> can I be honest with you. Oh, um, shit. I have to say that I'm not impressed with the way that, I don't know, maybe you can say UK deals with the situation, dealt with the situation. Okay. When I was going through the security check, um, the line was literally 200 meters long, close hmm. to 200 meters long. And the reason being is that the security was checking some old lady's bag for 30 minutes to try to find the pill nail clippers, like <laughs> small nail clippers, right? Scissors, but nail yeah. clippers in a bag. But if that process took 30 minutes. That means that entire line is stopped. Yeah. And I mean, 30 minutes doesn't... Can you imagine? That's can a you long imagine time. With London Heathrow, you know, with all the international flights coming in and waiting, right? Can you imagine yeah. how big that line was? Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, under the circumstances. Mm. So did you tell me that that um, there were lots of flights that had been cancelled while while you were doing your layer? Yeah, so when it was a Heathrow, um, a lot of the US flights were cancelled. You oh. can see on, our, on the display screen all the flights, a lot of flights going to the US. You just see cancel, 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 cancel. Really? So, so I mean, there's people tourists visiting Europe trying to get out, trying to yeah. get back home to the US. That we jumped out. Um, in a lounge, and you know, one lady that was sitting behind me, she basically spent the last 48 hours in the lounge trying to Holy cow. get back to the US. Yeah, yeah, that's like quarantine of a different kind. Eh? It's not really quarantine, it's basically double or triple, quadruple exposure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I mean, while you were in Canada, I mean, did you self quarantine at any stage, or were you uh, yeah. in the yeah, office? So when the first case came out, uh, first positive case came out. Um, and this was a positive case at the conference? At the conference, yeah. At the conference. Yeah. Um, we were basically given an option to either self-quarantine or not self-quarantine. And okay. then um, we were advised to self-quarantine. Yeah, sure. This way. Yeah, yeah. So and then um, and then like now when you got back to Johannesburg, I mean, you now self quarantine. Yeah, for here I'm, I'm under total quarantine. So I'm I'm one of the people that are in a very fortunate position and I'm very blessed and privileged in the sense that I own a big property um, in Johannesburg and uh, have a have an old cottage um, that's completely separate from the main house. Um, and a beautiful wife has set it up uh, for me to to actually spend two weeks in a complete isolation from basically the rest of the family who was inside the house. Yeah. Um, because it's a very serious thing. You know? I mean, I wouldn't want to pass it to her, who then passed it on to her colleagues and her parents, all her parents. I mean, it's a responsible thing to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, you self quarantine until when? Two weeks. Two weeks from the date of my arrival. So I came in on the fifteenth. So that puts it at twenty nine. Yeah. So the end of the month, really. Yeah. Well, that's hectic. So I mean, what's it? What's it? It's a it's a necessary step. So I have Absolutely. everything that I need here to actually work and live and live well. I mean. 
I had my own little lounge, my little kitchenette, and my own separate bedroom. Yeah. Um, what are you doing for so food feel, and that kind of stuff? Uh, my wife stocked me up. I don't have a fridge, but I have a lot of like you know, perishable food that I can make. Um, I have a lot of like tomatoes and rolls and. Um, is it your chair? Is it your chair that's creaking like that? My chair that's creaking. Yeah, <laughs> I've been sitting in this chair for the last like three days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's getting a bit hot in that chair. Yeah, it's getting it's getting hot in here, and I have a like stable internet connection, so I can be basically in direct contact with my colleagues. Who well, I mean, you. I mean, you're working from home. You're working from home is essentially yeah. what it is. Yeah. You're not, yeah. Even though you self quarantine, it's not as if you self quarantined and you're not productive. You you are no, 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 you are no, working. I'm, yeah. I'm actually being very productive, very diligent about the way I'm trying to deal with the situation. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we still need to get things done. The company yeah. will depend on it. So I'm trying oh, to. Well, I think to, I think in this day and age, we we are very lucky to be able to. Um, you know, we've got decent broadband. We have the the the, the equipment to work remotely and I mean the reality of I mean I was thinking about it in the last couple of days you know since since uh, Cyril made his announcement I'm like okay um, if I want to make my contribution to um, stopping the transmission of this virus in other words I break the chain I've got to self-isolate myself so I've gone to the shops and I've bought enough stuff to last me two weeks I don't have to go to the shops anymore. Um, The only thing at the moment is that uh, we're still trying to work out what to do in the office. But theoretically, I can do at least 95% of my job function I can do from home. Yeah. So it's about getting the I can do do the same. I can do 95% of my my function uh, from home. Yeah, the 5% that I can't do is go to the canteen. Yeah, and, get my- <laughs> and under, under, under my conditions, right, um, I actually feel that I'm more productive, but that's because I'm stuck in four walls, right? Yeah, I sure, cannot do sure. anything else. Like, it's, I love what I do, so it's pretty interesting for me to actually, you know, do some work and get things done. Yeah. So I end up working more, more because like, there's nothing else to do. I can't go out. I can't <sighs> go speak to my wife. I, I end up WhatsApp. What's a video calling with my wife despite she's like <laughs> years away? Uh, yeah, well, so like you, you, you're like one of the modern teenagers now, hey? proper millennial. Hey? You're having a conversation with your no, partner. No, no, that's, that's not for me. That's not for me. That's <laughs> really not for me. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like, what's it? What's, I mean, like, you what? You, um, what, you're three days into it, right? Three days into it. Three days into it. Still got a long while yeah. to go. At what stage? I mean, you said to me before we did the call today, you did a, uh, did a, um, some exercise. What did you do? Just go run yeah. up the stairs in your in your garden. Just ran up the stairs ten times, just trying to get something, some physical motion in my yeah. because I've been sitting at, at in this chair for the last like forty eight hours. Yeah, I didn't want to go out because like. Um, I so I mean, do you about the situation? But we discussed with my wife. She's like, "No, I'm not actually using those stairs. Like, you can go and run there, you yeah, can avoid it and stuff like that." Yeah, I mean, it's in the garden. So, I mean, you live yeah, you live in an area where there's a there's a, like a copy a behind you. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. got some stairs up there too, you know, like where you can go. Yeah, sit. Climb. yeah. 
yeah. it's it's really good exercise and like i need to get some exercise absolutely like absolutely i'm just sitting in this in this chair for 48 hours like, <laughs> i need to get up and you know do some actual physical activity yeah to keep myself healthy yeah like so I, I don't know if i explained this right but like my biggest concern was actually going to Heathrow. Yeah. Because. Understandably. Understandably. The biggest concern was going to Heathrow because at that situation, things were exploding in the UK. And, you know, um, I think by the fact, by the mere fact that by the time I was going to Heathrow, I was already like 12 days into like a trial period after the conference. So yeah. I knew like, I haven't manifested anything after 12 days, no symptoms at all. More or less, I think I'm okay, you know? Yeah. Until, uh, until you hit Heathrow. No headaches, no coughs, no fever, nothing. I feel, I feel 100% fine. Um, I was still taking precautions. So I was still like, um, you know, trying to social distance myself. But like going through Heathrow, just opened up my eyes because the, you know, a lot of people that are coughing, they're sneezing, that's, I don't know whether there are any fever, but mm. look, I think if a few people, and I'm not sure how many, got uh, pulled off our flight by the, by the health officials to get their temperatures and just evaluate whether they're okay or not. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you were to have some advice for people that are self-quarantined at this point in time, um, your... The only advice that I would have is be diligent about it. Don't try to cheat. You're not helping anyone. Like, yeah. just do the right thing. Don't try to cheat the system. Don't try to like go out have a beer somewhere in the pub or I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very easy to like, like I'm obviously in a small line, you know. Like, I mean, you haven't seen her for a month. You haven't seen her for a, month. Seen her for a month and then you got to go into quarantine for two weeks and, and then i have to go, go into quarantine for two weeks <laughs> but like it, it's the right thing to do in the end of the day it's the right thing to do it yeah. might not affect you as well but like it might affect your colleagues it might affect your parents yeah i have serious repercussions further down the line mm. and i don't want to be like thinking about like trying to catch back now she got it now parents got it like where did it come from all this came from me you know Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to be the person that, that, that if, if, if you did have it, God forbid, yeah, you would want it to stop with you. Yeah. Because I like you I say, I want it to stop with me. I don't want it to be like, Hey, an ongoing thing that I infect 10 other people. Yeah. And I have to think about like who I infected because yeah. you, you know, what's a scary thing is like, and I'm going to give an example. So, um, one of my friends, um I was in contact via WhatsApp with them. Like I told them I come back, you're cool, you know, awesome, welcome back. I'm glad you made it back in time. And then he's like, Well, dude, you know what? Um two days ago, um two days ago, I got the news that one of my colleagues in the company where I'm working has been positive confirmed as COVID-19 positive case. And he's been confirmed after a week of being at work after an obviously struggle. Yo. So like, I'm trying to like hectically remember 
whether sporting, whether shooting sand, whether you know, whether we had any interaction in the meetings, like I had any meeting scheduled with them, you know, what's going on. Uh-huh. Um, and he says, like, all the people in his department are, are hectically trying to trace back whether they had any direct contact with them. And, and, and that, is, that is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. This paranoia is... Well, I suppose also in a way, I mean, there's, 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 look, I mean, there is an element of, of panic slash paranoia that comes into that, but there's also, but there's also a a, a certain level of responsibility in terms of trying to establish at what stage you had contact with that person so that you can then tell all the people that you had contact with thereafter, okay, this is the situation. So, I mean, like, we've all got a responsibility to say, well, you know what? I think I was exposed. Look, I need look, to distance myself like, from. I can guarantee you, from his perspective, it was about covering his own ass. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, That's like, I mean, came, imagine. Came imagine. Across, but it's fine. It's fine. It's like, there's, there's no judgment and there's no. Yeah. There's no. Um, there's no. Um, but I mean, imagine if you're the There's guy. No judgment here, you know. Yeah. But but like, I don't want anybody else to end up in this situation because, like, can you imagine if you are that guy? You know. Yeah. Exactly. Or everyone, if then you you're fine, you come back, and then some of your colleagues don't come back. You know, what what is everybody going to say behind your back? What is everybody yeah. going to say to your face? You know. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, imagine if you're the guy that that brought it into the office. Holy shit, dude. And if it was because I was lax about, nah, I met that guy, mm, I wasn't sure where, I, you know, I shook his hand, whatever, uh, and then I found out that he had been overseas, and uh, I decided, well, I'll just try and wing it. And the next minute, there's an outbreak in the office, and you're the guy. I mean, imagine that. Yeah. I mean, how irresponsible is that? Hey? I mean, if you've, uh, um, I was almost about to say something, but uh, so I'd implicate. I, 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 I knew, I knew that I was going to get self quarantine. Yeah. Like already a week before I left, I, I knew when the situation was getting, was getting, and I think the catalyst, I think the catalyst for everyone, and it's really unfortunate because I really feel sorry for, um, you know, all the people. Need, all the people in Italy that succumbed to this, yeah. this virus, the catalyst was Italy. You know, yeah. I think Italy was what opened everyone's eyes and said, wait, you know, Italy is a first world country. They have yeah. a first world, you know, healthcare system. They've mm. got one of the best national healthcare systems in Europe. You know, look what's happening there. And I think that was the catalyst that actually changed a lot of people's minds and a lot of people's perception about this virus. Yeah, well, I must tell you a story. I've got a friend, a school friend of mine uh, who lives in Italy. And I dropped her a message over the weekend just to find out how things were going. And she said to me, it's hectic there in the sense that they are all have to self-quarantine. They're all quarantined in their own homes. All the, um, you know, her kids, obviously, they can't go to school. They are all um, home, well, they're homeschooled at the moment. They're doing online classes and all that and she said that um uh everything is closed except for the supermarkets and 
Uh, when you go to the supermarkets, you've got to wear a mask and you're wearing a disposable latex gloves, right? You stand in a queue outside the supermarket. Everyone there is one and a half meter distance between each person standing in that queue. And only yep. one person at a time is allowed into the supermarket. I can imagine how long that queue is. Hey, dude, uh, you... Um, Grew up in uh, Eastern Europe, right? Yeah. So um, can you remember when you were a kid? Look, look, did you ever have look, to? I'm, did you ever have I'm, to I'm queue used, for bread? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I actually yeah. did. I I used to queue for a lot of things, and I used to like uh, hotspot a seat in the queue for a lot of things. And uh, as a kid, and that was was not because of like the enemy virus. Yeah. It was because of the fact that there was a short line. But can you imagine, right, the first world country, like Italy, yes. is actually implementing these measures. Yeah. If yeah. that doesn't tell you that we're dealing with a serious threat, yeah. what's Okay, but now I've got a question for you, okay? Yeah. Here we are as South Africa. We're sitting here. We're watching the rest of the world. We've got our, 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 our numbers that are ticking up at whatever rate they are. Let's not worry about the rate. But we we're seeing, we're seeing, we're seeing where it can go. We're seeing what those countries are having to do to contain it now. What do we do? Do we do we wait until we hit a particular threshold before we pull no, the trigger? No, we can't on wait. That? We can't wait. We have to pull the trigger now. We need yeah. to bite the cup because yeah. this thing, like you could see, you can see, right? What happened in Italy, right? You don't end up in that situation, right? need to pull the trigger before because you can save hundreds and maybe thousands of lives, right? Yeah. And that's what our priority should be. Um, yeah. So, that's, I mean... That, that, so that's, that's all I've got to say. Yeah. So what I was, um, what I was curious about was the whole um, cancelling school um, approach on Sunday night because at, yeah. at the time that I heard that... Um, I had because you know, like I try and not read too much of what's going on in the news. I'm just wanting to get the like the the this, like the core gist of everything. You know, I don't want to be reading all the like regurgitated um, news and hype and all that kind of stuff because I want to distance myself yeah. from that. So I hadn't really gone into the sort of like okay. The behind the scenes, okay, but why are they so worried? Why are they making these drastic measures and all that kind of stuff? I hadn't really, it's only this week that I've actually started going and reading up on that kind of stuff. So on Sunday nights, I, you know, I have to admit that I was relatively shocked in inverted commas that, um, that they canceled the schools, okay? Mm. I've, since, yeah. I've since found out the reason why they do that. Okay, now even though the um, the 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 kids at that that age are at a very low risk in terms of mortality, as an example, that doesn't mean mm. that they don't catch the virus. Okay, and they don't spread it, but they do spread it if they in school. Yeah. They become the vectors that um, rapidly transmit this um, something like this because. Yeah. Because sure. they're interacting at a, low, a close um, uh, proximity, they um, 
sharing facilities and all, and they're not as vigilant as let's say as us sort of adults that um because yeah. i mean how do you get a six-year-old or even a 10-year-old to continue remember to be washing their hands not touching their faces not touching surfaces and if they do that they yeah. wash their hands that they're not laughing at one another and playing around on the playground. It's mission mission impossible. impossible. It's mission impossible, yeah. So, and I mean, the thing is that... That's one fight you're never going to win. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, so, I mean, so like now I understand more about the measures that they are taking. But I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, what does the rest of the country do now in terms of... Okay, so the president has stood out there. He's pulled the trigger on 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 the emergency plan that they've got in place. Can I just say something? Yeah. Can I just say something? I have to give credit to our presidents. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely right move at the right time, and it was, yeah, it was. It, it yeah, was look, I right mean, move. I have to, I have, to. and it and it came from a good place. You know, it came from a place of trying to actually like. Save as many people as possible. No, I agree, and I, I, I agree because, uh, and I have to admit, I mean, it was for a moment there. I know it's it's a dire situation, but for a moment there, I was proud to be a South African that our president has taken. I mean, when you've got the Trumps of the world and you know the other politicians in in these other first world countries that have dragged their feet in terms of of um, taking the situation seriously and putting measures in it place, scary, I was scary. proud that our president, f- for once, stood up there and made a decisive decision about how to deal with a particular situation in our country. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I'm also very proud to be a South African. Yeah. Sure. So, um, but I mean, the question is, what what does the rest of the country do? I mean, fine, the schools are closed, the kids are still still doing class. I mean, both my girls are Google Classroom. Fortunately, we live in a world where we have, and I know it's not everybody, but largely, not largely, not even largely. I have to I have to correct myself there. But they they like at least for my kids. I, you know, I have to say yeah. that they can still continue studying. I mean, I've got a daughter who's a matric. I mean, what a year to be a matric, you know, for things to be going this pear-shaped. Pear-shaped. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, we don't know. Look, man, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the, the next month. Hey? It's relative to the situation. Yeah. You just have to adjust and have to do the best you can of the circumstances, you know? Yeah. Our ability to survive the species, you know, depend on, well, largely relies on, on our ability to adjust to a dynamically changing environment. Yeah. And, you know, with viruses, it will have to be the same. I mean, this is not the first global pandemic phase. It's definitely not the first. And it's not going to be the last either. Like someone, you know? like someone said, this is the trial run for the next one. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and and the funniest thing, you know, like it's it's always the invisible en- enemy that will that will that will get you. Right? Uh, <laughs> a virus uh, hundred and I think I saw in the, in the news somewhere that there's hundred and ten nanometers thick. That's ten to the power of negative nine, right? Yeah. Thick. It's it's 
it's smaller than the mask that you're wearing to pull through it. Most, most masks, you have highly professional corporate mask, you know, that will get into your lungs and nest and replicate in there. That could cause potentially cause your demise. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, of things. it's not nuclear weapons that are sitting in silos. It's a little, little bacteria that somebody coughed out and somebody got from somewhere, you know. You mean um, a virus? Yeah, virus. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I just need to remind viewers that English is not my first language, so yeah, no, I'm, doing, I'm doing my best. So I, I, I corrected you um, as yeah. a friend. <laughs> more than anything else Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> but i mean yeah anyway so i mean listen we could go on and on about the stats and you know the number of uh, cases at the close of the day yesterday and how many there were no. by 10 no. o'clock this morning i mean we could we could create some panic if we wanted to but i think there's, i think our no president there's, there's no need to panic sorry to interrupt you but like, yeah. we need to we need to remember you know, a few key things. A, you know, because the countries that are currently going through thicker than is China or Europe, European countries like Italy, you know, they they give us a roadmap of what's what, what's going ahead. Yeah. You know, so in terms of the measures they implemented, in terms of the number of them affected people, in terms of the resource drain on the um, on the medical systems and in terms of number of, of people who eventually succumb to this to this virus, you know? So we have a roadmap ahead. You know, we can gauge ourselves. We, we mustn't replicate the mistakes that's already been done. And we must try to, you know, as they say, hashtag flatten the curve. <laughs> flatten the curve, man. Yeah. <laughs> Corona must fall, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> so I must tell you a story. So um, today I was just reading up on stuff, some stuff on Corona. So I do a, a, a Google search. Um, okay, why? Let's call it COVID nineteen. No, no, no. I put in there why, why, um, you know, why has Corona spread so quickly in Italy, as an example, right? And um, yeah. so I found this page, and you know, you get the Google ads on the side. Yeah. Guess what the ads were. Corona beer. No, no. Savannah cider. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you. Wow. So Google, Google, somebody, Google AdWords or whatever. Somebody, <laughs> is, um, somebody is like trying to use a unique marketing opportunity. Well, I mean, look, I mean, I would suppose that you would, <laughs> you would say that, um, you know, when you set up your Google ads, you would say, okay, I want to target people that would, and you would obviously reference your competitors, right? Sure, sure. In this case, yeah. obviously, we got Corona as a beer. They might have added in their AdWords that anything, someone searching for Corona must be fed this yeah. advert. The only problem is that like now it's a bit insensitive now because, um, you know, when I search for Corona, I'm not searching for the beer. I'm searching for the virus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. No, I mean, I, I no. Really, it's I, just. I, really I think it's one of those those it's, ad blunders that you know. It's like the heroes and zeros on Bruce Woodfield's show with Andy Rice. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really sorry for Corona. You know, I'm, I'm not endorsing them, and I'm not saying that they're bad or they're good. But yeah. 
just, but I mean, as a brand, coincidence. it's very unfortunate coincidence that, um, you know, the branding for the virus, which is COVID-19, right? Yeah. As a coronavirus, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's just one of those coincidences. I, I really personally believe that Corona beer has nothing to do with the COVID-19 virus. <laughs> Making that statement. Eh? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I think I think we should end on that note, on that happy That's note. Yeah. yeah. And that was this week's episode. I hope you guys are all um, taking care of yourselves, um, looking after your family and making sensible decisions around what to do to contain the spread of this virus. I don't want to be alarmist. I'd like to be sensible and not panic. I hope you guys are doing the same thing. I will keep you up to date with what's going to be happening with the podcast in the next week. Uh, I've got some ideas, and so just keep an eye out for any extra content that might come out. And that, my friends, is the end. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>